way back to the bedroom and picked up the broken I Ching coin from the bedside table, a piece of black cord tied around it so that I could wear it around my neck. It was my lucky charm. The last remaining link to the life I had lost long ago. When I entered the kitchen, Alice was gone and the house was silent. I breakfasted on wheat grain milled by my own hand, softened with powdered milk and filtrated water. This was flavoured with a dribble of honey from the food stores I maintained in the cellar. I heated some water on the wood-burning stove and washed the meal down with freeze-dried coffee, then made for the hallway. I pulled on a heavy jacket and picked up my shotgun, my breath frosting in the cold air. The past few weeks had been bitterly cold, sleet and snow tumbling endlessly from grey English skies, but over the last few days the temperature had started to crawl back up. I stepped outside, seeing the snow had begun to melt. In the distance, past the trees lining the road, I heard crows call out to each other, their voices stark and flat in the monochrome landscape. The wind turbines were visible at the peak of the hill a quarter of a mile away. Altogether, a peaceful winter morning. In the next moment, the crows exploded upwards from a small copse of poplar farther up the hill. I tensed, wondering what had spooked them. There was a real danger of encountering predators with no memory, and therefore no fear, of human beings. Over the years I had caught glimpses of bears and even lions, presumably escaped from zoos or circuses after their owners died. Several winters ago I'd had a nasty encounter with a polar bear that came charging out of an alleyway. Dogs were undoubtedly the worst. The smaller ones had mostly died out in the years following the apocalypse, leaving the larger, fiercer specimens to dominate. After a winter like this one, They would be hungry indeed, and I never stepped outside my door without a loaded shotgun under my arm. I listened, but heard nothing more. More than likely the crows had been startled by a badger or fox. Even so, I kept watching out as I shut the door behind me. I walked past an outbuilding containing a processing tank that turned cheap vegetable oil raided from deserted supermarkets into biodiesel. Then I stepped through a wooden gate leading into a field where sheep had once grazed. The place in which I now made my home was an ultra-modern affair, a boxy construction with broad glass windows constructed, so far as I could tell, mere months before the apocalypse. I had found it pristine and unlived in. Better still, it was easy to keep warm, even in the depths of a winter such as this. I followed a well-worn path up the side of the hill until I came to a line of twin-bladed wind turbines. There were a dozen in all, tall and graceful and rising high above me. Only three still functioned, The rest stood silent, despite my vain attempts to repair them. I had never been able to find the necessary spare parts. The turbines were one of the main reasons I chose to settle where I did. I had driven fence posts into the hillside, paralleling the path leading to the turbines, and strung thick cables all the way down the hill to my chosen home. From the top of the hill I could see what had been the town of Wembury in the distance, still Christmas card pretty under its blanket of snow, despite the recent rain. The blades of the remaining three turbines that still worked spun steadily under a freezing wind. I made my way inside a transformer shed next to one of them and first checked the voltmeter and then the storage batteries. I kept expecting to come up the hill and find another of the turbines dead. I keep expecting to come up the hill and find another of the turbines dead, said Alice. I could just see the other half of the Chinese coin I wore around my own neck peeking out through her scarf on its silver chain. I'm amazed they've lasted this long. I pulled a fuse box open and took a look inside. Always the pessimist, I said. Takes one to know one.
I glanced over at her, still wearing her blue cardigan and green scarf. She'll catch her death dress like that, I thought, then quickly pushed the thought away. I could see a streak of rust at the back of the fuse box at the top. I looked up to the roof of the shed, to where I had cut a hole for the power cables. The weatherproofing had partly come away, letting in rain and snow. One more thing I had to fix. I pulled out the fuse nearest the rust stain and saw where it had become touched with corrosion. No wonder the power had nearly gone the other night. I pulled a spare out of a box on the floor and replaced it. Job done, I said, stepping back. But Alice had vanished once more. I went out of the shed, but there was no sign of her. It was maddening sometimes, the way she'd come and go. I glanced down at the broad, muddy patch that spanned the distance between the nearest turbine and the transformer shed and saw several sets of boot prints.